So the theme that the Lord put upon my heart this week is this. It's in, uh, just in this line and this, this realm of the supernatural. How many, of you, how many of you want to experience a supernatural in your life, right? We said a few weeks ago that we were saved for the supernatural. We were saved. God did not expect for us to get saved and stay natural. He didn't, get you, he didn't expect you to be saved and be just ordinary. From the moment that he thought about you being redeemed, he thought about you stepping into a new level, into a new realm. He thought about you becoming something different than what you were in the past, all right? And that is supernatural. You serve a supernatural God, so a supernatural deposit of the Holy Spirit in your life, guess what? You put those things together, ought to make you what? Supernatural. So we need to understand that that supernatural happens when you have this level of expectancy that God will use you in supernatural ways. And I believe that, you know, so many times the enemy wants us to concentrate on the lack. That's L-A-C-K, all right? Sometimes he wants us to concentrate upon what we don't have, upon the things that are not going the way in which we want. But today I want you to know that God is more than enough. Say more than enough. More than enough, all right? He has called us to be overcomers, more than conquerors. And you're here today because I believe God's got a word of inspiration and encouragement and challenge for you. And if you have not stepped yet into the supernatural, if you do not yet know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, I want to tell you, it's not just something you do once when you were a little kid and then you forget it. Amen? Last week we had some missionaries with us, and they're talking about the power of the Holy Spirit. And not only does he come in at salvation, but he comes in and fills people up. And these young kids who are ages 12 to 18 years of age are going out, and they're going into the communities, and and they're being raised up as disciple makers. Amen? But they're not doing it in their own strength. They're doing it because they have the power of God flowing through them, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And we're so thankful for him. But there's an occasion in which Jesus demonstrates Jesus was an awesome teacher. Jesus was an awesome teacher because he used active curriculum. You know what that is? He used his own life. He used his own, the things he talked about, he didn't just talk about and say one day it's going to happen. He actually did it. I love it. How many of you say, how many of you know you like to see things, you know, you, you hear about what people are going to do, but how many of you like it when things actually get done? Okay, all right. Some of you a little shy and raising your hands. This is the Pentecostal church. Just practice this right here. Just go like that. Okay, here, get that going. Yeah. They used to get the wave. Yeah, the, the, in the days of old, they used to be able to take out the hankies. You know, when the preacher really get going, they'd be going like that, okay? If that happens, all right. I don't think you're, you're surrendering or anything like that. But I, I, I know you're just cheering me on. Okay. Mark chapter 6, verse 32. There, bringing up that on the slide. I'm going to bring this over a little bit more so I can see what's going on here myself. This particular occasion of this particular event that took place in scriptures is recorded in all four Gospels. All four Gospels, and they, they line up. There's not a whole lot of differences between them, but there are special places in them that each of the authors, inspired by the Holy Spirit, pointed out. And we're going to take a look at, well, we're going to take a look at all four of them a, a, a little bit, and don't sweat it out. Okay, it'll, it'll go together, right? But we're just going to concentrate using this, our text here in Mark chapter 6. And before we go any further, I just want to ask the Holy Spirit, all right, to kind of clear our minds. I want him to ask us, you know, ask him to help us to kind of focus and hear what the Spirit would say to the church today. Is that all right? So, Lord, we ask you right now in Jesus' name, we're not religious about it. We're just recognizing that there are some things 
that the enemy wants to do to distract us. But we declare today that we will hear your word and we will apply it to our lives in Jesus name. Amen. Mark chapter six, verse 32 says, so they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. But many who saw them leaving, recognizing that recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like what? Sheep without a shepherd. Sheep without a shepherd's a dangerous place. Right? I mean, they can huddle together only so long, but guess what? God's, God has that shepherd there to help to lead them to still waters, help to, to take them through the valley of the shadow of death, also to, you know, to be able to keep the, the, the big bad wolf away from her, right? So like, they were like sheep without a shepherd. That's the way he's seen them. So he began teaching them many things. By this time, it was late in the day, so his disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said, and it's already very late. Send the people away so they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. Don't you like it here how the disciples are starting to give the orders to the master? (laughs) Does it sound a little familiar to sometimes where we're at? We got some things going on in our life. We're starting to think about some of the things that's not going the way in which we want to and say, you know what, Lord, it'd really be a whole lot better. Let me give you a suggestion, all right? Let me tell you what you need to do right now. You need to get this person out of my life. This person's weighing me down a little bit, all right? And, and well, that's what they're, I, okay, I'm meddling. All right, send the people away. But he answered, say but. He answered, you give them something to eat. And they said to him, that would take eight months. Where are they going right now? I mean, they're just going down excuse lane, aren't they? They're going down, make up every single excuse you can think of. He, they tell him what he should do, tell them to do, and then he says, no, this is what you should do. And they said, but we can't because they got an excuse. That would take eight months of man's wages, and we, are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? It almost makes it sound like they had the money there, right? Am I to, am I to understand you right, Lord? I'm preaching just in the reading, all right? But anyway, that's okay. You see, am I supposed to understand that we're supposed to take that much money? You know how long it took us to get this much money? And he says to this, he says, well, listen, forget the money. How many loaves do you have? He asked, go and see. And when they found out, they said five and two fish. In a moment, we're going to find out where they got those fish, but all right, and that, that rose. But then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. And so they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties, taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven. He gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave to them his disciples to set before the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up. You could just go ahead and write here the title of the message, right? Picked up what? More than enough. Right. Picked up 12 baskets of broken pieces of bread and fish. And the number of men who had eaten was 5,000. The number varies because none of us were there. But some theologians believe that to be anywhere between 10 and 25,000 possible people who were fed with five loaves and two fishes. And when it was all over, there was still more than enough that was left over. Twelve baskets full. Now I want you to understand something. I believe that the enemy has convinced a number of us that in order to be 
in the body of Christ, you should expect to be a pauper. You should expect to just be struggling to get by. You should be expecting just to barely have enough. I think that's a wrong mindset. There's another side of this where some people preach that, you know what, when you come to know God, then you shouldn't have any type of your desires, your wants that would go unmet. I mean, you should be living at a level way beyond everybody else. Everybody else are the paupers, but because you've been saved, you are now living the blessed life. You got finer car, finer house, finer clothes, whatever it is. And I'd say that's not the totality of the kingdom message, right? But the Apostle Paul tells us this. He says, listen, I've learned to be content in all things, in plenty and in want. He says, I've experienced it all. And in neither case does he call himself lacking, all right, as far as in in his relationship, his experience with God. You see, he knows what it is to be able to allow for God to be his source in plenty and in want. He's understood that if you have plenty, you still may not be fulfilled. That's why we got people checking out in this world we got people who are saying, you know what, I can have all the money, I can have all the cars, I can have the right houses, I can have even what looks like the perfect family, but for some reason, it still isn't filling me up. I'm still not feeling fulfilled. So I want to take a moment, if we could, here, and I want to just give you a couple takeaways from this particular passage. This particular account starts with this first point, which is this. What to do with seemingly poor preparation? What to do with seemingly poor preparation. I want you to understand something here. If you go into uh, Matthew, both and in Mark, you will find that this particular occasion in which uh, Jesus is, is having to deal with all of this is happening right after he receives the news of John the Baptist. His cousin had just been beheaded. He's just finding out the news. And rather than going into a time of respite or a time of just total, you know, being absorbed by himself and the grief of it all, which, you know what, would be okay. It would be okay. And he he tries to get away. But as he tries to get away, we already pointed it out, he looked upon those people and he had compassion. And he said, I could go ahead and I could hide away. I could go ahead and mourn about this because it feels like a kingdom loss. Sometimes some people don't understand that when we who are saved come to know Jesus Christ and then we go to home to our heavenly reward, that guess what? It really is a reward. It really is something that you should be looking forward to. You might say, Pastor, I, I, I want to live here on this earth as long as I can. I get it. I'm not trying to end things early either, but I believe that we can live at a higher level. When we start to live with the expectation that dying, all right, on this physical earth is actually coming into the real life that's without limitations. How many of you know what I'm talking about? And when we can live that way, all of a sudden, life has a whole new emphasis. But it would appear here in this particular occasion that these people are showing up. And they're not prepared. All they can think about is hearing the message of this one who is a miracle worker. When Jesus, in verse 34 of Mark chapter 6, when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were sheep without a shepherd, so he began teaching them many things. Who would have thought that teaching would have allowed for people to be having what they have need of? Amen? But they had a spiritual hunger. It would appear that they... Their spiritual hunger 
overtook the common sense. I've heard it said sometimes that some people are so heavenly minded they're no earthly good. I could see it in a few cases. But I think the more the greater problem is that we're so earthly minded we're not any heavenly good. Because we can begin to pray and we can be expecting that things will be on earth as they are in heaven when we're heavenly minded. You got to get it right, church. We got to understand this. You see, you need to understand that, that these people had such a need that they didn't care about food at that moment. And some people would put down, they would put down, they'd look at those people and say, don't they realize that you're in mourning right now? Don't they realize that you've got other things going on? Don't they realize that you need rest? Listen, the world out there could care less about the rest that you think that you need. Like, really? Sir, you have to take care of yourselves. But church, we are on mission. Look at your neighbor and say, you're on mission. You are not occupying territory here upon the face of the earth to be able to lay a claim to something, to put up a flag and say, this is my land and I'm going to occupy until Jesus comes. You're just not marking out a little square around you. You see, no, we've got a kingdom mentality. We're supposed to be thinking kingdom-wide. That's why we have the responsibility to reach the world and not just Muskegon. How many of you were at our... At the Project 714, raise your hand if you participated. Look around you. Don't keep your hands up. Look at that. Look at that participation. That was awesome, was it not? Listen, I, 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 want, I want you to just real quickly in two or three words, someone tell me why that, that was, what spoke to you about yesterday? What was exciting about you? What was refreshing? Put it in, a, in some descriptive words. I'll even let you go five words, all right, if you can. Come on, someone raise your hand just real quickly. What, what, what did it mean to you yesterday? Jo- yep, I'm coming to you, Joan. All right, here we go. It was an awesome, relaxing, uh, just a real spiritual, uh, just the presence of the Lord that made it so awesome, relaxing. Everybody was in a good mood, and I loved it. I was blessed. Amen. Amen. What else? What else? Yep. Tim? Just serving others. Um, You know, it's, it's not about us. It's about what we can do for others and seeing that effect on other people's faces was awesome. Okay. Yes. Um, I think the biggest thing was community and even the community of churches that it didn't matter what denomination or what background, but it was just simply about people and God. Amen. All God's people working together. Amen. We got to lay hands and pray on people in the community and it was amazing and we saw healings. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Anyone else? Yeah, get me while I'm on this side. Anyone? All right. Greatness of love. Yes. Are you hearing this? Were there any people that showed up that day that were seemingly unprepared maybe for life or circumstances that was happening? Was there some extremely needy people that were there? Yeah. You know the challenge that we have as far as in the body of Christ or when all of our needs are taken care of is that we could get to a spot and not realize that the Lord has put us in position to do something with a seemingly poorly prepared individual. You say, poorly? What? How many of you know that sometimes circumstances that happen in your life, sometimes that you didn't choose those things? How many of you know what I'm saying? 
We have to be careful not to look down on those who are spiritually hungry, who, who know the things that they should be doing. I talked to person after person who would tell me about where they were and how they were once involved in church, but now they're not at church anymore. And I could easily say to that person, then what's wrong with you? You deserve what you get. Hello? There's some people that have the attitude, and, and we don't want to admit it, but, but sometimes we're like, how long can you help somebody who is unprepared to help themselves? What should we be doing? Jesus knew what to do. He began to teach them. He looked at them, and he assessed their situation and saw them as what? Helpless and harassed, like sheep without a shepherd, but he was moved. Listen, there's various reasons that people find themselves in needs, and, and we could be right where they're at. Some people are born into a family that has not had the proper teachings. They were living in a day and a time when, when, when half of the homes in America do not have two-parent homes. You know what I'm saying? There's not fathers in the homes. There's not the mothers in the homes. There's, there's custody battles that are taking place between who's going to have this kid and who's on this weekend and that weekend. There's all kinds of reasons for the dysfunction and the chaos in the world in which we live. And the thing is, even in the midst of your own heartache, Jesus says, there's still more than enough of me to meet the needs of other individuals. And he's going to meet it, amen, through you. I want you to know I am grateful for my beginnings. I'm grateful for my sheltered past that I have. But I am fully aware that not everybody was as fortunate as me. So I'm going to share the good news with as many people as I can. The second takeaway I want you to take a look at this is this. Christ has passed on to us the responsibility of providence. This Project 714 that we participated in had seen hundreds of people, and, and there was a few thousand dollars that was invested in order to make a difference and, and talking to people to be able to pray with people. Can you believe we have to pay people and give gifts away in order to, to, to pray for them and to tell them the good news of Jesus? That's how much the enemy has deceived people today. They think the church always wants something from them. Listen, I was so thankful to be able to tell people, listen, it doesn't matter if you come to my church. I just want you in church somewhere. I want you with the community people. You look at all these people around here. They're not at my church, but they love you. And if you don't love the things that we do here at Central, you know what? I, I, I don't want you here in that sense. I want you to go where you're being ministered to. Does that, does that make sense? I want you to be able to gather together with a group of people who will be on mission, who will be on purpose, and, and says, you know what? we got this common goal that we're going to reach people for Jesus Christ. I was already mentioned in our announcements, but uh, I want to draw your attention. We, we, we just had Project 714. This is our summer to go, all right? We know that it's important to gather, to grow, and to go, to reach all generations. And, and we've really set this summer up in order for us to have opportunities for going. Project 714 was the kickoff of it. Our camps was part of it. And, 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 and then coming up real soon is going to be uh, the d day zero, right? But before that, we've got National Night Out. Say National Night Out. Yeah, you see, in every neighborhood and across this whole area, actually across the nation, all right, neighborhoods are coming together and, and recognizing the importance of emergency medical services and, and, and police services and such. I mean, there's things that are wrong in our, in our world in which we live, right? But you know what? We're still thankful for the good people that are out there that are doing their best to protect us and to save us and to watch over us, all right? And so communities are coming together and they're showing appreciation, 
They're coming together and they're having a party. And last year, we as a church got to participate at Bukama Park, okay, down here off of Marquette and Roberts, all right, there. And, and we showed up in force and, and we cooked some hot dogs and we organized some games and, and, and we laughed with those individuals that was there in, in, in the neighborhood. And, and we just made an investment in Marquette neighborhood. Now, you might have your own neighborhood that you come from as far as where you live, and, and I encourage you to get involved with that if they have a national night out. But if you don't, on August 7th, uh, you know, on that uh, Tuesday night, we're going to be gathering at the Bokema Park, okay, again, and we're going to be ministering to the people who are there. Now, here's the thing. We've got favor with the leadership in the Marquette neighborhood, and those people recognize that we're wanting to serve. We're just not trying to get people to come and be part of us. We want people to be filled up with the fullness of the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And, and I don't really care what church they go to. I just want to know they're saved. I want it to be part of a church that's kingdom-minded. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Amen? So we're going to go down there, and, and we're going to be there, and I believe, I, I'm sorry, I forget the exact time, if it's 6 to 8 or it's right around there. But anyway, we'll, we'll, it's in the bulletin. It, and, and we're going to minister again. And the Marquette neighborhood it says, you know what? We'd really like you guys to be involved in some other ways as well. And, and so they're going to have uh, drawings for uh, book packs and, and backpacks and such like that to back to school things. And, 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 and we'd like you to be able to help us with that as far as in distribution. And so we got together with our staff and our team. And we says, you know what? We need to have another picnic follow up after this that we can invite the whole community to. So on the National Night Out on August 7th, we're going to, to the, the, the park that they're all common with, that they know and such like that. And then on August 29th, we're going to be inviting that whole community right back here to be with us. And we get to use the Marquette neighborhood, the National Night Out, as one of the vehicles by which we get to invite them to come and join us. So we're going to come and picnic attire on that Sunday, August 29th, you come a little bit more relaxed, all right, appropriate, but relaxed, and we're going to have a short service in here, and we're going to make our way out into our parking lot, and we're going to have games and, and activities and things set up, and the plan is, listen, it's a picnic, okay, but the picnic idea is to invite the community who may not be in church anyplace else to come and to join us, and you to get to know them by name, for you to get to know them by need, for you to do what Jesus did, look upon them if they are harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Everybody's not a need case, all right? But, but there may be some who are coming in here who need to know that a church cares about them. And so they're going to allow for us to be the distribution point for those backpacks, those back-to-school backpacks. Anybody who fills out them forms there are going to be coming to our picnic on August 29th to join us, and we're going to distribute out those backpacks. Now, how many see that as an opportunity? That's awesome, right? So we're going to get to fill those things up. We're going to get to be part of that. Yeah, this is all of, of, of what we're, we're trying to do, all right? So point number two is this. Christ has passed on to us the responsibility of providence, all right? Providence. We're supposed to be providing for people. Now, day zero is the other part. And, and uh, usher, stand up if you would real quick because I want to, you to do this. This is active learning right now, all right? <laughs> I want you to be prepared. We have these invites. They were uh, actually created by another church, uh, but they've created thousands of them for us to be able to hand out. And it says, join us at the Heritage Landing. We want you to take and we want you to distribute one of these cards. Now, I don't even know if I have enough for everybody in here. But everybody who wants to be part of inviting at least one person who doesn't know Jesus Christ to a free party in the park at Heritage Landing called Day Zero. Raise your hand because this is coming to you first right now. First come, first serve. Raise your hand right now. Get them to them. Get them to them quickly, quickly. Pass them around. 
pass them around. You're going to take this and pass this out to at least one person. I say, you, you might be able to pass out four or five, all right? But I want you to get one person because sometimes we just kind of blitz people and we don't do it based on relationship. And I want you to do it based on relationship. I want you to invite them out, all right? To hear Dave Crowder, uh, Andrew Palau, um, Stars Go Dim. Uh, it, it, it's going to be an awesome night and it's absolutely free. It's amazing. And you get to be part of inviting people to that, all right? We got more. The usher's going to have more of those and, uh, on the way out. But see here, God, Christ has passed on to us the responsibility of providence. What you are providing right now is just an invite. Will you be li like Jesus and be able to say to people, I see them, that they're harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And, and I will invite somebody to this free party in the park. It's, it's going to be fantastic. Amen. Now here I want you to understand the next point is this. Don't overlook the small things. Point number three, if you would, please. Don't overlook the small things. A small store, store owner was being pressured to sell his store to some owners of a large apartment store who had bought up every other building on the block except his. They were frustrated because the man refused to sell his store, and they eventually opened up a huge store on both sides of his. Here's his little store. Here's their big one and a big one on each side of him, all right? And so they decided to put a big banner running from one side to the other of their two buildings that said grand opening, all right? Feeling equally frustrated, the small store owner did finally something that outsmarted them. Over his door... He put a sign that said this, main entrance. I want you to get a picture in your mind today, okay, of what's happening. You see, the world would try to put us into this, this mentality and such that, that, the, that the church doesn't have something to offer, okay? They're advertising all kinds of, of fun and all kinds of opportunity that leads to addiction and leads to a downward spiral as far as in life. But God has given us and made us the main entrance. For he said that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except by him. Now, if you believe that, you ought to be excited. Amen today? You see, they're trying to offer something bigger, trying to offer something better. And, and, and the world's doing all this advertising. But here's the thing. They're going to come up short because they lack the substance. They lack the substance of the reality of what Jesus can do in people's lives. And the substance is revealed through you and through me. Oh, yeah, well, let me tell you. Here's the main entrance, though. You want to experience a high that's above all other highs? Let me lead you to Jesus. Here's the main entrance, all right? You see, you want to experience what it's like to be free from worry, free from stress, free from the fear of death. Fear, you, know, you want God to be providing for you? I got some principles. I want to teach you. That's what Jesus did. He taught them. But he says, don't overlook the small things. Don't overlook the small boy. Amen? John is the only passage that gives this to us and, and talks about it in John chapter 6, verse number 8 and and. He said to this, that after they talked about how much it was going to cost uh, to one of his disciples, Jesus said this, Andrew Simon, uh, Peter's brother, spoke up. He says, here is a boy with five smart, uh, small barley loaves and two small fish, but how far will they go among so many? I want you to try to picture for a moment, how did they get that five loaves and two fish away from that little boy? 
A little boy seems to be the only one that's prepared. His mom is the only one that gives oversight and packs him a lunch for the day. But even in their, you know, I don't think that was the case. I think there was more food that was there. Do you, do you get that? Do you understand? There was more people prepared. But all they could see is the smallness of things. And so many times that's all we can see is the smallness of things. And so we look at the smallness and we say, certainly, certainly this is an obstacle to God getting done everything that he wants to get done. And what's Jesus say? No problemo. <laughs> right? No problem whatsoever. I know that wasn't truly Spanish, but it sounded that way for me, okay? Wasn't that an awesome Spanish group in worship yesterday? Was that fantastic to experience all the different ethnic and cultural backgrounds and worship? <laughs> it was amazing. Some people say, I, I just don't know. I don't, I don't have to be part of that parties in the park. I don't have to do those things. You miss out on unity. You miss out on celebration. All right? I'm just, that's all I'm going to say. I'm sorry. But it was fantastic. But Jesus said, no problem. It looks small. Why, Lord, all we have is these five loaves and two fish, and we had to take them from a boy. <laughs> Certainly your heartstring wouldn't want us to take these from this boy. He said, no problem, take it from the boy. I got some more. I've got more than enough. I've got more than enough. Bring that over here to me. Let me just go ahead and break that bread and bless this and thank the Lord for what he's provided. There's a message in there, right? Amen. Let's, how many of you are thankful for what the Lord has provided for you? Oh, my goodness, we don't like it when the car breaks down. We don't like it when the washing machine goes down. We don't like it whether we have problems with the refrigerator, do we, Sylvia? We've been working on our refrigerator for a few weeks now, months, actually, and, 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 and we just cannot get that thing to operate absolutely the way it's supposed to. And it's frustrating, but guess what? I'm thankful the Lord gave me a refrigerator. I'm thankful he gave me a car to drive. I'm thankful that he provides for me food on a regular basis. You may not be eating on the menu which you want to be eating off of, but guess what? You probably are not lacking for anything because you're here today, amen? You're a walking, talking, physical proof of the providence of God. Don't overlook the small things. Don't overlook them. Take a moment and recognize that God can provide for you through, from the smallest of, of, of situations. The boy was small. His lunch was certainly small. But Jesus has no problem. The last point is this. Where Christ is, there will always be more than enough. Where Christ is, there will always be more than enough. And I would just wonder, this is a pop quiz right now, okay? Been doing some teaching. But I wonder where Christ is right now. All right, pop quizzes, everybody's kind of quiet, okay? This is an audible pop quiz. You can go ahead and share with your neighbor in case you're not, you just go ahead and, and do the po uh, phone a friend right now, okay? Phone a friend right now, fine. Where is Jesus right now? Where? <laughs> it's, it's all over the place. 
He resides within me, the temple of the Holy Spirit. He is the real deal. He is the same today as he was yesterday. The same Jesus that took that bread, took those fish, he thanked the Lord for it, is the same Jesus that lives in you, dwells in you. It is the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, dwells in you. Are you understanding this? Jesus was able to do the miracles that he was able to do. He was able to do the supernatural because of the power of God that was flowing through him. Jesus in you makes a difference. What am I saying? Where Christ is, there will always be more than enough. Where you are at, there will always be more than enough. You'll always have more than what you have need of in order to give away. Some people think about the, the lack that they want or that they have, and they say, how can I give? How can I give? Listen, you can't outgive God. You've heard it said over and over again. You say, yeah, but i got to be wise. I want to know when we're going to be sacrificial. I want to know when we're going to go ahead and put it on the line and we're going to say, you know what? I really don't feel like doing this. I don't feel like making this phone call. I don't feel like giving this extra bit of love. I don't feel like because I've done it for the same person over and over again. They're not realizing. They're weighing on me. They're making me walk with a burden. I'm feeling just like I can't do this anymore. He says, listen, it's a Jesus in you. How about using Jesus' strength instead? Amen? How about getting to a point where you say, you know what, you're right, I can't do this, but the Christ in me is. There's no way that you should ever be able to say, I can do all things. And stop there. Because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Amen? That's the word of God. He is more than enough. Where Christ is, he's more than enough. So how do we know we are in a position to experience more than enough, all right? Just going to summarize some things for you. And I'll praise team to get ready if you would. When we do not let the seemingly poor preparation of others bother us, we are putting ourselves in a position to experience more than enough. When we do not let the seemingly, so listen, things seem like people are unprepared or poorly prepared or planned. Oh, but guess what? It shouldn't bother us. When are we in a position to receive more than enough? When we do not let what we do not have make us think we will not have enough. Four parts to that one. Hopefully, maybe you're writing something down. When we do not let what we do not have make us think that we will not have enough, we will be in a position to experience more than enough. When we accept, number three, the responsibility of caring for others. When we do not look down on the small things. When we recognize that the Christ in us is more than enough. For whatever he's calling us to. Church, we'll, we'll be more than enough. Amen. We're going to do something that we don't usually do, but I've asked the praise team to get him ready just to be ready at this because we're going to, I really sense the Holy Spirit is going to speak to our hearts and do something. And, and, and I wanted a familiar song, but I got a, another song that's kind of a song of message. And, and it's, it's called More Than Enough. And I'm not sure how many of you ever heard it before. It's actually from a, a church over in Indonesia. And, and, and uh, I, 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 I feel like the Holy Spirit just brought it to my heart and mind. And, and they're going to play that off the video uh, if they would. But before they do, okay. I want you just to do this. I, I, I believe that if anybody's here today and you don't know Jesus Christ, your personal Lord and Savior, he is the greatest friend you could ever have. I'm not downplaying this, but I'm letting you know I, I don't talk anybody into salvation. If I have to talk you into it, then someone else can talk you out of it. 
The Bible says that his spirit will bear witness with your spirit that you're a child of God. I don't have to confirm it. You're the one that's got to confirm it because of the Holy Spirit in you. I believe it's a whole lot more exciting when someone comes up to me and says, let me tell you something. I got saved. Now, I ought to tell you how to get saved. I ought to teach you about it. I ought to teach you about his presence, his plan for your life. The only thing that you need to do is recognize that you're a sinner who needs to be saved by his grace. You can't earn salvation by your works. But when you recognize that he's done everything he can for you, and he is more than enough, and you say, Lord, take over, take charge of my life. You say, I, I-, I surrender to you. Come and lead me and guide me. That's when things start to take off and you can start heading in the right direction. There's so much growth that happens after that. But here, every head bowed, every eye closed, you're in this place. You know you're not right with God, but you want to get right. You want him to become your Lord and Savior, the ruler in your life. And you're going to say, yeah, that's me. With the uplifted hand, raise your hand right now. You're in this place today. You're making a a first-time commitment, a recommitment. It doesn't matter where you're at today. Anybody in this place today needs to start or have a relationship with Jesus Christ. So with a, a lack of response there, I, we either have everybody that's saved, some that's still pondering. That's okay to do that. You can come and sit. You can come and take it in as long as you need to. But here's the deal. The rest of us here now have an assignment. And we need to be convinced that we have more than enough. And so in closing, I want you to stand to your feet in this place. And I'm going to open up this altar because I love altar experiences in corporate settings. And they're going to play a song. It's going to be an unfamiliar song to you, so I want you to keep your eyes open. There's, there's, there's lyrics that are on the screen. But I want you to see the words of this song. And I want you to see if it echoes a prayer that will be in your heart. I want to see if there could be something in you that could make you excited about being in the place where you're at and looking at a people who are harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd and recognizing that God has put within you more than enough to meet that need.